Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again as we journey through some amazing games here. Now, we've done something like this in the past. We have dived into a couple games that really stood out to us. And what I think is kind of interesting, we do want to do more of these, but it feels like we're, we wait for those games that really stand out, right? The games that really call to us. We've done Disco Elysium, we've done Eastward, and now we're gonna be tackling Citizen Sleeper. We're gonna be diving into this game pretty heavily, and if you guys haven't checked it out yet, definitely recommend this title. Uh, it is not gonna be for everybody. We'll say that off the bat. And it is very different than, you know, the last one we did, Eastward, but it is along the same lines as Disco Elysium. I think that's what first gravitated us to this game, right, mm-hmm. was the, the similarities behind the two. Uh, it's a, just to give a brief, like, real quick rundown of what the game actually is, uh, and without going into the mechanics, the lore, and all that stuff that we'll be touching on a little bit later here, uh, it is a text-based, text-based adventure game. Yeah, it's pretty simple like that. That's what it is. <laughs> Text-based adventure game with dice rolls added in to perform actions throughout your, you know, civilization. So that's basically, if you want to break it down into a nutshell, that is what Citizen Sleeper is. Now, what sets it apart from that, what actually makes it really exciting is the story, the environment, what it creates, the questions that come up about it, the interactions with the NPCs, just all those things... This is what blows me away about this game. And maybe we're on the same page here, but what blows me away is that they're able to take such a simple idea, right? Like really boil down this game and like to the bare minimum, it's text-based adventure. Now, it is able to do so much and just invoke you in so much feeling. Like I teared up in this game, not gonna lie. You know, like I had moments where I was pissed at people. Like it really puts the emotion into you like it really puts you there and like the immersion is so intense and i dare say that i was a lot more immersed in this game than i was in disco and i love disco that game's fantastic so i I don't know there's something about the simplicity here that i really appreciate and it could be going into some of the stuff that i've been looking into recently in my life uh the whole idea of the law of subtraction or addition by subtraction Uh, A lot of engineers actually use this law, and I've been trying to kind of impose it onto some of the kids that I work with as well, like, you know, drill it into their heads now so that whenever they get older, it's just one of those things that they don't, they don't even think about. They don't feel like they have to force it. So it's, I don't know, there's something beautiful in the simplicity. And I think those are the real standout games is when they're able to do something like that. Something very simple, but they do it so good. It just stands out and stands the test of time. Yeah, I think um, when you were saying it, it captivated you more than like Disco Elysium. I think for me, like as someone who really, really, really loved that game a lot, it, it didn't feel relatable to an extent. Mm, yeah. You know, this game feels relatable. You know, you look at Disco Elysium, unless you are a washed out cop or you could put yourself in the shoes of like questioning your mind or, you know, just in different predicaments, 
but to actually feel like that would be you in a situation it's different whereas like citizen sleeper think about it you know you are we'll get into the story a little bit but to make it quick you are thrown into a new area and you don't know anybody and your only way to really reach out to people is either through you know gig work or running into somebody and to me that feels more relatable and the more you dive into this game the more you realize that even though this is supposed to be you know sent like hundreds of years into the future right when we're flying in space it still has a very relatable issue relatable problem and i think a lot of cyberpunk sci-fi games don't capture that too well you know they're so focused on a narrative that we see in everything when it comes to cyberpunk or it's us versus you know amazon or something like that this game even though there's ties of a corporation controlling you or having control it's not the forefront it's more about who you meet and what you do with them and the i'm trying to think of the best word accumulation or not accumulation um i can't think of the word but it all comes together in the end and to me that's i think what really sold me um and the music too the music was like literally perfect at yeah. moments you really needed it uh, uh i just want to go over real quick that the music by was done by emma's roddy i think that's how you say the name uh, who did music for quite a few other indie titles like Kingdom titles, Wild at Heart, also some movies for like or music for Warner Brothers and a few other projects. And the music in this game, it it reminds me so much of this group that I really, really used to listen to a lot called Tycho and. There's so many instances where I'm like, oh, that's the same kind of sound. And for me, I had a very big connection to a lot of those songs. So when I hear songs in this game that kind of have the same sound, it it hit me, mm. you know. And it, it didn't even have to be really a super emotional part of the game. But that choice that you were doing, I was like, oh, it, it it captured me back into the game. And I know a lot of people would probably look at it as just background music, but to me, if you really focus in on it, it it's weird how the music really does go well with whichever situation you are in the game. Like, I, I don't know if that was intentional that they were able to do that with pretty much most of the choices, but I felt like the music always lined up mm -hmm. with... The choices yeah it, uh, it never feels like it intrudes on the situation that's going on and like it, it always like like you said it just fits perfectly with the situation that you're currently in and it almost has like that like almost like meditative quality behind it right like it's it it just kind of immerses you a little bit deeper into what's going on and if you listen to the tracks you can kind of hear like what you would assume would be like noises on the ship right or like 
a, a distorted or like skewed way of hearing a crowd, you know, or like an interesting way of conveying emotion itself. And it's just a very clever design. And it's very genius, honestly. And just listening to the soundtrack alone by itself, is just, it's great, right? Like, I was listening to it all day at work. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a very non-distractive music, but it goes well with most things that you do. So yeah, I was listening to the soundtrack as well when I was thinking of what to write down for this. But uh, another thing I want to point out real quick is just the art. Um, mm-hmm. It was done by an artist. I'm really going to butcher this name now. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I can't even pronounce the first name. Gilume, I think. Uh, Singlin. And they have art on Amazon, uh, a few graphic novels from what I can tell. Uh, they also have an Instagram black, Blackie San. And I got to say the art on, I mean, both of those that you can see are just phenomenal. Um, I did not know the artist before playing the game, though I definitely have seen some of these before, like, you know, either on Pinterest or through Reddit, I've seen those character models and that art style everything about it is what really attracted me to this game uh, i remember when i first heard about it i saw it on game pass and i was like what is this and then i look at the first initial photos and i'm like oh the art looks amazing but i don't think i'm in the mood for a dice roll game mm-hmm. and i was like you know what i'll just try it out you know it's game pass why not and i mean that's what i fell in love with but the art is just it's good. You know, I, I wish there were more character models just so I could see the, the beauty in it, you know, and the colony that you're on the eye, it's, you know, it's your typical space station, but I love that whenever you zoomed into an area, it really showed up close, like what it was, you know, you look at when you go to your apartment and you see all the little apartments there or, the shipping containers and they all have like little, I don't know, some open, like you can tell people live there. It's just, it was cute attention, the details. And that's something that I actually really, really liked because for a long time, I never really paid attention to details in games. And nowadays I kind of do. So when I was kind of just zoning into this game, I was like, wow, like, Every little thing, like, it feels like it has a meaning, even if, like, it's not intentional. It just, it works. And I don't know, I really, I really like that. Like, even though, like, this isn't the perfect society to be in, it looks like it'd be an interesting place to, like, explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that art style and the, what you just said right there. Like, just the idea of exploring this place was so interesting to me i wanted to see every single corner of it and i wish there was more to be honest i want to dive further into the eye and figure out more stuff and meet more people and like the art style what it what it really reminds me of is like classic manga like cyborg 009 style like way back in the day Mm. right kind of slightly exaggerated features but the one standout thing that this artist does is the amount of detail that is on each character where like they're the clothing alone tells a story of the character themselves. It says so much 
in without having to say any words whatsoever. Like even the character model of your the character that you pick, even though you never see them, except for in the actual like character selection sheet uh, in the very beginning, there's so much there. Like and there, it's really interesting because you play as a you know a you're not human. You're a you're a robot, right? Basically, like you were human once. But what I love is every single face that they've drawn has a sense of i guess like loss like there's a little bit of loss there in the eyes and it's just so cleverly done Mm -hmm. or maybe not loss but longing longing for like an understanding of what's going on and it it harkens back to like i think it's such a great way to start the game by picking one of these characters looking at these characters faces knowing that they're not human right and like because it's very clear that they're not human but seeing the emotion in their face puts you in the right mindset whenever you start playing the game. And then whenever you tie it in with the music itself and then just like kind of the dark scenery around you and it just everything about it just fits so well. And I absolutely love it. I love this artwork so much. It has drawn me to it completely and just it's so fantastic. Like some of these character models, I'm like, oh, my God, like I, I want to just study everything about him like honestly my favorite character model that was drawn out was the food vendor emphasis and like mm. uh, and we can go into more of like we'll go into the story next so you guys actually know what we're talking about <laughs> but like this character model of emphasis like if you don't want to play the game just look that up emphasis e m p h i s his he has so much detail on him like he has the food, the supplies, the walk, like, but like it's all piecemeal together from scraps that he was able to scrounge and find. And I, I just absolutely love it. And like his character himself is always looking for a story. That's one of the things that he asks when he's cooking for you is tell me a story. And it like you can see, I, I can totally see him, you know, sweating over a stove cooking you up a meal, you know, maybe just kind of occasionally giving you the over the shoulder glance as he's working, but you can tell that he's listening, right? Like he is focused on what you're telling him. And it's all from this simple character model. I don't know. Like I absolutely love it. And I think it's so cleverly done. I've like blown away by this art style. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you can see in even interactions with what you pick, like sometimes the character model changes, which, you know, it, they do that in games sometimes, especially like this, but going to this character named Ethan, who, like you said, we'll get into the story in a little bit, but without spoiling anything, like he is, um, well, I guess it happens early enough. He is a bounty hunter and he is looking mm-hmm. for you and not to get into specifics of how his storyline goes, but throughout you notice like his demeanor kind of changes Mm-hmm. And he starts off as the scary person who then you see the weakness in. And then towards the end, you actually see a very interesting character model where this once strong looking guy who held your life in his hands, it's completely opposite. And that was something I really, really loved. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was very interesting how they depicted that because they could have just kept the same kind of character model and that's it. But it really captured that feel and the emotion. Mm -hmm. And I, and the character, I really respect that because I feel like you don't see that 
often, especially like, I don't want to say indie titles because I feel like you see it more in them, but it, it was just a good attention to detail, which this game just keeps proving that it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but story-wise, um, shall we get yeah, to that? Yeah, I think it's that time. Um, you're a sleeper, which, you know, is an android. Um, you are a company-owned robot, Bessel, which, with sleepers, they have a consciousness injected into it, which, once the consciousness is injected, the company owns both. I don't think they really said anything what happens to the original consciousness. Well, in the beginning, it says that you sign a contract to become a sleeper. So, like, you are a human at mm-hmm. one point who's probably very down and out. So, like, the, the main scenery here is that it's, like, really think about, like, I guess, like, Blade Runner-esque world of this cyberpunk dystopia, right? Everything's kind of, everyone's kind of, like, poor, run down, things like that. So, it gives that idea that the world has a lot of challenges, there's a lot of poverty, things like that. And the vessel is recruiting people to become sleepers. Like, it's almost like a last-ditch effort to, you know, I have nothing left, so I might as well do this job, right? And so it is implied that they were once people that now are being converted to machines and now becoming property of Vessel itself. Now, how they get about doing that, it doesn't really, like, go into as much, but that's the that's what I grasped from the story. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like how in the beginning, like you start out kind of, you end up being in like a storage uh, container and you get found that way. But something I really loved about it is that they don't know anything about where they are, mm. right? They just kind of show up on the eye, which is the, the colony that you're on. And to me, this is kind of the best way of you learning about everything around you which is another thing that I really like about this game is that you are learning with the main character everything around you whereas you know a lot of other games they basically even though your character has lived on that planet forever you're like learning new things and it never makes much sense in the game but i loved in this where it's like you were literally learning everything with the character or the games that do like a lord in the beginning right and then you're playing a character that's supposed to know none of that that's yeah yeah Yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes on in the story. And I do agree that, like, it's pretty smart to have you start out in a cargo hold, right? Like, and you're being found by the, the scavenger. Uh, what was his name? Have Isn't Dragos. it Dragos? Yeah. Was that Dra- Dragos yeah. the Salvager, which, oh my god. Like, what a great character to get introduced to, right? It's just... I, I love this idea and they, they keep bringing back the idea that this is a person but they have like VR goggles over their eyes so like you can never read their emotions and it almost feels like they're never really there talking to you they're just kind of going through the motions which I could totally see happening in the future right like the people who are totally jacked into their own little bubble worlds 
And this is their like Dragos's mm-hmm. version of escapism. Like they, he lives in a junkyard basically, and it's it's a tough life. And you have to scrounge for what you got. Nobody on the eye trusts each other. It's very run down. It's it's losing. It's lost all money. Uh, there seems to be no resources coming into it. All that they get is just scraps that they find in space or people who happen to stop by to get you know like their ship repaired or something like that. Like. It's there's not a lot of income coming into this place, right? So it's kind of become no man's land in a sense. Yeah, you're really reliant on him too. You know, it's because that's your new mm-hmm. place to live. You know, so if this guy gives you a place to stay, you're gonna do anything really for him, which is usually right. work right. on a ship. Um, it's interesting how he kind of not just threatens to kick you out, but he threatens to almost turn you in if you don't help him. And it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's like a worry in the back of your head, but you're like, oh, so I not only am I work to make money, which makes sense, but I don't want to get kicked out. And something I thought interesting about this too, and this kind of goes to the game as a whole, is that, you know, as a sleeper, you were kind of built to work for this corporation or company but yet kind of in this game you i don't say are forced but you work for Mm -hmm. the people and it's i don't know i really love that once i really like sat down and thought about it i'm like it's not the exact opposite of what you were built for but you're helping people in a greater good yeah i do really like that aspect a lot i mean this is gig economy at its finest Right. And it's, you know, you Mm -hmm. do something for me, I'll do something for you as well. And every character that you interact with that does have, you know, something that you could benefit from does ask you to, you know, repay the favor. And it's almost as if uh, like work or favors or things like that are the new currency on the eye and or information, intel, whatever it may be, even just a good story has become the same as currency, which I think is fantastic and it totally makes sense for this kind of environment it's such a great thing great little detail that they added in but what i really enjoyed about this is that like the the openness of the game itself it's open but not too open where it's overwhelming like we've talked about open world games in the past and how they can be just a little too much where there's just too much going on and it's you never really know what you're supposed to do you never know if you're on the right path But this really feels like, I mean, you really could follow down any path that you want, honestly. And you can definitely get a different ending. And that's the great thing about this title is that there are multiple endings for how you play it. So if you want to just follow one path and just go down it, you can. If you want to explore the ship, you can meet everybody there and do it that way as well, which is really cool. Ultimately, you're going to have to kind of pick one ending to fall down and then you can you know go and farm the rest of them if you want but i i do really like this aspect a lot because it it just makes it feel like more of a lived in space or more natural in that sense where you do want to like it would just be like okay i'm done work let me go swing by the bar, right? A, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm meeting the bartender. She's pretty nice. She's in getting into a little scuffle. Let me go handle that. Like, it feels like the world is breathing around you, 
even if you're not interacting with mm-hmm. it, which is really interesting. And I think what really like brings that in is one of the mechanics in the game is the cycle system and how things happen at different cycles. Uh, so you can actually, it's not just about, you know, like resting and restoring your dice or whatever it may be. It's actually like changing what's going on. Like there's a lot of events that need to be done within a certain time frame or else you just miss out on it, which is real life, right? Like what happens if you forget, you know, that there's an event going on today and you wanted to go to it, right? And then you miss it. It's like, well, you don't get to restart and replay that event. That event's just gone. And now you have to like keep going and figuring out what to do next. So I I really do love this this mechanic and the system behind it, uh, just to give the world more room to breathe in a sense. And as far as like the story goes, really the the story is quite simple but yet complex in a way, right? And I feel like that's going to be my like biggest takeaway of this is how they're able to make something so simple, so complex at the same time, which is pretty amazing. So like the main premise of it is that you are a sleeper who just wakes up and you're on the eye and you want to, you know, you want to get away and you want to explore and you want to just kind of gain knowledge. That's really the the game itself. Knowledge is everything in this title. And so like exploring and chatting with all these people is giving you those experiences, which is really cool. And just kind of learning their backstory, seeing what you can do for them, how they interact with you. And one of the things I do really appreciate is that while yes, to a lot of people, like you are just a sleeper, you're a machine, but there's a lot of empathy that's being shown here towards machines, like towards you as a character, even though you're not technically human which I thought was really nice. Like, and it makes sense too, as far as like a world that's this far advanced where they have these kind of things. And it's, we've actually kind of touched on this a little bit in our other show, uh, Murder of Grey uh, with the Blade Runner episode was that like the whole idea of what is life really, right? And I feel like this game really asked that question because the people treat you as if you are just another human being like working and, you know, just trying to survive. And I think like the biggest, like most humanistic moment in this is one of the storylines that you can go down is with Lem and Mina, the shipyard workers. Uh, Lem and Mina is a little girl. Lem is the father of this little girl, but not technically the real father. That's all you find out in the story, which makes it even more like of a heartbreaking story whenever you hear about it. But like Mina does refer to you as, you know, the robot. But once you get to really like know them and you go down that storyline a little bit more, she thinks of you as family. Like she loves you. And she even says it too. And she'll, she even like says that she's, or like making drawings of you. Like, you know, like the stereotypical drawing of like a house and mom and dad and the family, right? Like Mina is making drawings of the eye, the only home she's ever known with, Lem, her father, and you, the robot, right? Like treating you as if you're part of the family, which I think is just such a beautiful moment and like such a humanistic moment. And I love the fact that the the child shows so much love and empathy in a world that, you know, could just throw you away. (laughs) And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Like it really does show like the fact that like future generations are going to, 
be much more understanding, which is what we see now, right? With everything, whether it's, you know, like gender identity or whatever it is, the younger generations, that's just the norm. It's not weird. It's not different. But like you just treat them as people as if you would expect to be treated because you are a person, right? Like it's it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I do like, like really appreciate that little like aspect that they threw in there. It's very clever. Something I thought about uh, when you're bringing that up, while they treat you just as another human. At first, when I played it, I felt it almost more as odd that even though you were an outcast and you were an android, no one treated you with right. disrespect, right? Like nowadays, like in our real world right now, if someone even looked different, you know, you're going to face some discrimination somewhere. So in the game, when you didn't really face any of that, I was like, hmm, this is kind of weird. But as you go along, and like you said, it's like, it also shows the feeling that civilization has advanced enough where they look past that. Like you said, they look at you more as just like another human or another person just getting through, you know, in the struggle. And once I realized that, I was like, you know, that's actually really cool. You know, you don't have to be discriminated about because why should you? You know, just because you're an android. Yeah, you're not fleshy like a human, but you're still going through life. So it's not that much different. And I don't know. Once I realized that, I was like, oh, wow. Like it, it made me really interested in this depiction of the future because I don't know. That's something you don't see in games that often where like you don't get discriminated against for being different, which. Oh, it's a really good message. It's funny, too, that it's set in such, like, a dystopian style, right? Like, everyone has so much pain and hardship Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But at the same time, they have so much understanding and empathy. Like, it's such a beautiful future in such a, you know, like, run down. (laughs) Like, it's so weird, that juxtaposition. Because, like, yeah, I would love if, if our future, like, if it meant that our future looked like that, in order to have full understanding and empathy towards one another, then let's do it, right? Like, that's fine. Like, it, it almost felt like it was more of like a welcomed future. It wasn't like all doom and gloom because there was those glimpses of beauty in it. And it's such a clever message to throw in there. And it's very subtle too. It's not like in your face. It's one of those that like, you kind of have to remind yourself like, oh wait, yeah, no, I'm a robot. And like you're showing me this much love, care, and attention. You're sharing like such important things about your past, about your family, like sharing these beautiful moments with me without any discrimination of the fact that I'm not a human, right? Like it's it's great. And I mean, there's even a character that does show that he fell in love with one of the machines. Now it doesn't end very beautifully, but mm-hmm. like that's, there that's a thing right like it's it's yeah it's just it's pretty nice i don't know i'm kind of like stumbling here but like that's it's a great thing it's a wonderful message
Now, before we dive into the mechanics and stuff like that, I do want to ask, do you have a favorite NPC? Or a favorite storyline? Hmm. I have a favorite character and I have a favorite storyline. They're both different, though. Um, favorite character, real quick, kind of spoke about him earlier, but Ethan, uh, I thought his branching path well, maybe that's a storyline too. It doesn't. It's not an ending, though. Considered, but it's so interesting how, to me, it was kind of the first character where I felt like my decisions like mm. could really screw me out of something. Uh, I felt a lot of times in the game that there wasn't a totally negative outcome mm. between two things, but with this character, I felt like. I might ruin something so I was like constantly kind of worried about what would happen mm -hmm. next you know and this character kind of threatens you with work that you have to pay it off so it's like now you have to waste cycles making money you know granted you can work around this by losing your tracker um, that's all I really will say of spoiler was in the story but you know you can get your tracking device taken off but if you do it too early your storyline with the mm. the bounty hunter goes away you know so you don't get to fully see the ending of that story um and it's interesting because like i mentioned earlier that power dynamic of him being so strong and having his full control over you just slowly sip away not even through his intentions but just you know through the company yeah. itself you know I, I thought at first, oh, his drinking is going to make him mess up and I'll be able to get away or do something like that. But it ends up being out of his control. And because of that, mm -hmm. he starts to see you in a whole different light. You know, he doesn't look at you as some like, I don't say stolen property, but, you know, lost property. He looks at you mm -hmm. as like a fellow person. And I think that evolution of this character was so interesting to me. And it. I don't know. His character just really stood out to me compared to a lot of the others. Like I know Lemon Mina to me also was one, but that's just because mm -hmm. it's more of like a family kind of story. But this one, I was like, whoa, like it's, it, I don't know. It's kind of cool when you at first fear something and then you end up being like, yeah, it's nice to cool see that, that evolution. I don't know. Like, like growth of the character. Cause they definitely had the most, in my opinion, the most yeah. growth throughout the story itself. Yeah. Other than that, I felt like Thing was an interesting story, actually, because it kind of taught you the whole lore and the backstory mm -hmm. of the eye. Um, basically, the eye was uh, a company town that was, I think it was considered a surrogate colony. So basically, they mined and farmed all the resources, which would then take it back to a core colony. But Havenage, um, which is one of the factions. I probably butchered that name, but uh, it started out as a union that rose up against the company. Um, and then decades later, or now in the game, it they become the institutionalized faction, right? They're the ones that are making all, all of the plans, all the choices. Um, 
And I thought it was interesting because you really learn about that in his story, which at first I was not really interested in. But as the story developed and you learn more about it and learn about the other faction, the Yadigan, which I thought was interesting because it, they're portrayed as cops at one point. But if you really like kind of look into some of the lore in the story, you I felt like they were slightly like, I don't want to say refugees, but they felt like you know, they weren't part of that colony initially, but they somehow became enforcers. And I was just like, mm-hmm. there's so much going getting thrown at you that I don't know. I really I really like diving into some of these random like characters because you kind of learned a lot about the colony, which yeah. I mean that's, that's what probably I really the biggest, to learn about. most important character, right? The eye itself had the most secrets. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've already talked about my favorite character itself which is emphasis i love that character so much i i just really feel mm-hmm. like that's a real person that they knew you know like that the designers knew and they threw him in it's like yeah just maybe in some like little shanty like mom and pop hole in the wall like pub or something like that it's like the bartender that just listens to your stories right doesn't judge you none of that stuff just wants a good old story at the end of the night, right? Like, I, I don't know why I love that character so much, but I just do. So so lived in, so real. But as far as, like, storylines go, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for the Lemon Mina story. I, I, I think it's just so, so heartwarming and just so, so much emotion getting boiled down into that. And it's so, like, sad and then uplifting. And it's every emotion all thrown into one. And I think, like showing the anguish of Lem himself and then hearing the story of how him and Mina met and like, it's just, there's so much there and like, it's so rich and so, but the the same can be said about every single character themselves, right? Like they all have such a rich background and like different personality types and like just real people. Like even Sabine, uh, Sabine, the doctor, like for the little amount of time that you actually like, physically interact with her like such an interesting like character where the whole time i was like i don't know if i can 100 percent trust you like what's going on here very secretive like keeps things close to the chest which makes sense in an environment like this where you know knowledge is power and all that stuff but you know it's just so fantastic and then of course you can't really you can't forget about neo vend the vending machine like what a cool character model and <laughs> literally mm-hmm. a vending machine, but it becomes more. You got to follow that story and it's just fantastic. But yeah. Oh God, there's too many. I mean, they're all fantastic in their own outright, you know, that everyone has something interesting or different about them. But uh, as far as like favorite, like person that I'm going to remember for a long time after this, emphasis is my man. I love this guy. <laughs> Something about Lemon Mina, too, that I also really liked. Um, I loved how I felt like their storyline was kind of the longest, and it kind of merged mm-hmm. with Bliss and those people in that upper area. But I thought it was interesting that when you were, like, help fixing that ship, right, with Lem, and you learn that you're, like, installing this, like, ID... Uh, ID scanning system on the ship. And it's like deep down, you know that that's going to probably hold you back from leaving, but you're still building in any way. 
and then you do the lottery and it's just like there's so many emotions so many things with that storyline and it like really i feel like that one really captures what most life would feel like on that Mm -hmm. colony especially for people that don't want to be there you know emphasis is like the life that if they've accepted and they work there it's like Mm-hmm. very realistic but i feel like with lem for someone that wants to escape a situation it's very realistic too in it's, that it's the story of situation hope, right like 100 percent, the lemonina story is the story mm-hmm. of hope and never giving up on that hope just keep pushing forward keep trying like don't give up and for Lem, it was all because of Mina. If it wasn't for Mina, like he would end up like Emphis, you know? Like, I'm just going to go to the shipyard and do my mm-hmm. job and go home. But he really wanted to get a better life for Mina. That's all he wanted. He wanted to show her a thunderstorm. God, like that story, that, when they brought that up, I was like, oh my God, like I take everything for granted. <laughs> you know, like even something as little as that, like seeing a thunderstorm. I'm like, God, like, I, I don't know the last time I appreciated the rain, you know, like, it's just, it's the little things that mm-hmm. really, that were brought up in that, where I was like, God, I love this. It's so strong. So we've talked a lot about the feels, right? The character design, the music, all that stuff. Some of the great storylines that you can go down. But I think it's time to talk about the mechanics a little bit. Now, the mechanics can be a little iffy for some people. Um, They are very easy to understand, uh, but it is a dice rolling game. And every time you start a new cycle, you end up with a different type of dice or different value dice now you can change that later on with different skill points and things like that that you can attribute with your character uh, your character does level up and there's a little bit of a skill tree there uh, as well uh, but the amount of dice is uh, determined by the amount of power you have left in your system and the power deplete or depletes every time you go technically just go to sleep for a cycle uh, and it also depletes more whenever you don't have any food in your system. So despite being, you know, an android or cyborg, whatever you want to classify yourself as, uh, you still have to eat. And that was an interesting thing that they mentioned that they, that whenever they designed the robots, they kept that in there. Uh, while they might not be able to fully enjoy the food or whatever it may be, uh, they still need the food for energy and it gets, you know, converted into an energy source to keep their battery running. So that was one of the things. and. At first, it felt like it was adding in like an extra stress, right? Not only did you have to look out for cycles, you also have to make sure that you are alive, you're eating so that you have enough dice to make the decisions or make the choices that you need to make per cycle so that you don't miss out on things or miss opportunities. But as the game kind of progressed, I never felt that that was ever really an issue. Right? Like it never became as daunting of a task yeah. 
as it felt like it was supposed to be. Uh, it, like as far as getting like money or like even whenever you're starving, it never felt like you were getting penalized that much. And like I've got it down to just where like you can only have one dice and the max amount of dice you can have is five uh, and the dice rolls would be one through six. Uh, that's how it is, which is really interesting, but it never really felt that way. And then eventually you can get some skill points that where like you can either reroll dice once per cycle, uh, you can spend dice to actually replenish energy, or you can use scraps to replenish energy as well. So there, there was a lot of stuff in play that never really made it a very daunting thing, but it was something that you constantly had to remind yourself of which is kind of nice that it wasn't super intrusive, but it was still there, you know. It was interesting because in the beginning, that feeling of, you know, never having enough dice or never having enough energy, like it seemed like such a daunting task because you didn't have enough money for a stabilizer, which, you know, gave you the health to give you more dice rolls. And you just never felt yeah. like that you had anything. You know, and I, it makes sense because in the beginning of life, you don't start out with anything, you know, and like going back to the whole gig work mm -hmm. thing is you have to put in the work to get things back. And once you're mostly through the story, like at first, this was another thing I thought I had an issue with in the beginning or, well, not in the beginning, but when I thought of this was like, oh, at the end, you really get mm -hmm. a surplus. Mm -hmm. Of everything, right? Especially, like, you can, like, self-repair and stuff like that later on. You don't really need stabilizers. And then I had all these other issues, like, oh, it just makes the game easier. Like, you're rich. You're doing all this. But, yeah, that's just what happens when you work. You, you know, you get rewarded. You get money. You get stuff to make yourself feel better. You, you get all these different things. And... You know, I also seen other people where they're like, oh, the game gets easy mm -hmm. at the end, but it makes sense that it would, you know, it's, it's not meant to make you overpowered. Cause I mean, it doesn't make you overpowered. It just makes you able to go yeah. day to day and be okay. You know, oh, you got low do dice rolls, just reroll, you know, make yourself happier. And then it, with that, you can see more endings. You can see more of life and you know, it's just like real life, you know, if you put in the work and hopefully you get rewarded for your work, but normally, you know, the more work you do, the more you get back and the more you can enjoy life, which that's kind of what mm -hmm. I felt eluded in this game. Like it was very interesting. Like you said, towards the end, I didn't have to worry about anything and it just, I was able to enjoy all the endings. I was able to just see every little thing you know there's so many little things sprinkled in the different like circles and cycles that mm -hmm. when you finish one something new opens up and i was like i never had to and worry it, and actually the so progression of it becoming easier towards the end makes sense too because if you think about it you started out in a shipyard a completely dark like empty storage container was your home for a while and then eventually, you know, you put in the work, you find yep. an abandoned apartment, you start fixing it up a little bit, and then now you have an apartment, right? Like you're you're doing better for yourself. Uh, if you follow the, you know, the tavern storyline, you end up even having your own kitchen where you can cook for yourself too. 
And you get a really good friend out of it as well, which I thought was really nice. And it's a good little progression. But yeah, I did have quite a few credits <laughs> towards the end there. And not going to lie, I did end up spending probably over 200 credits <laughs> on feeding the cat <laughs> that was in the apartment. I wanted to see what happened. I want to pet the cat. Wow. I never did. So, <laughs> so it's just, yeah, there's a stray cat in this game. So, of course, whenever I heard about that, I was like, where do I find this? How do I get it? What do I do? And then it turns out there's an option to feed the cat. It's three credits for food for me because I had like 20% off credit purchases at that point. So I spent like over 200 credits on mm-hmm. a cat, which is so relatable to my <laughs> real life right now. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting there thinking like, oh, maybe if I dump enough money into this, like, something special will pop out. I, I don't know. I was kind of hoping for that, but yeah, it was just a nice I little touch. Yeah. And it's to the people who say that this game got too easy. Like I don't, or like there wasn't enough risk. That's not what this game was about. Right. That, that's you're looking at it from yeah. the wrong viewpoint here. That is not what this game is about. This game is an experience driven game, right? This isn't your typical roguelike. This isn't like a hack and slash action game out there. No, this is, yeah, this isn't disco. This is a this isn't disco experience game. This is this is on the lines or you know of like the journeys out there, right? Like those kind of games where you're you're playing this for an experience, for a memory, for a story, and like that's that's what this game is, and that's what really like makes it memorable in my mind, and I loved it. And actually, we haven't even talked about the hacking yet. And the hacking is actually a really cool mechanic. So, like, the world you see, the eye with all the people and stuff like that, that's one part of the world. But then you can go into the net, basically, and see all these other nodes in which you can actually hack and get data, which you would have to do in order to do that. And one of the things that I absolutely love about this game is that they have personified data, right? Like, where, like, there's a, there's a, mm-hmm. I guess like a antivirus is basically what you would call it in this. It's like a fail safe program that's built in and it's called the killer. And it looks like a like wolf hybrid hammerhead shark thing that is zipping around in this virtual space that is cutting you up as you're doing it. They even have like things like hunters, which are like crazy tentacle beasts that will like dip their tentacles into the wiring of you know like very very clever stuff and i love the the visuals of it where like with the hunter with the tentacles being able to go across all of the net like across all nodes ever reaching right and then you have the killer with its slicing ability that is basically severing you from the machine itself, right? Severing ties from things, cutting programs out that are obsolete. It, it's just so clever in that in that aspect, and I absolutely loved it. And then you have, you know, like the Navigator, the Gardener, um, which I really wish that there was more with the Gardener. I, I really like that idea. So maybe some DLC, that would be pretty cool. I'm down for that. Yeah, I would I would honestly love more story just to like learn more, especially about like you said the gardener yeah. and the whole Yeah. I feel like that was a very uh, underutilized section of the story that could have gone a lot lot deeper that was really interesting. Cuz like the machine the the AI basically was like 
mm-hmm. like deities in a sense, right? Like they they were personified at these as these amazing things, which makes sense, right? So like the gardener is the main AI for the garden, right? The green zone, and so it's like when you see it, it is this beautiful, like monumentous idol. It's it's gorgeous, but very stoic, and it has like you know it's. It's just, it's living its life as if a tree would, right? Like, it's just very, very cleverly done. Absolutely. Oh, God, so cool. So cool. Uh, it's such a very interesting way of putting it. But, yeah. I freaking love it. This game's great. Everybody go buy this game. Go play it now. <laughs> yeah. Game Pass, Definitely. baby. If you guys got it, try it out. No, they're putting Game Pass on the TV now. If you have a Samsung TV, download the Xbox app. Boom, right there. You have a phone? Well, if you do a Game Pass Ultimate, you can play it on your damn phone, too. That's crazy. It's pretty sweet. This game should not be free. Yeah, Yeah, no. They put so much heart and effort into this game. It's, It's beautiful. It's... Enough cannot be said about this title. And it's... Yeah, it's just so good. And I think this is definitely why this is one of the games, one of the three games so far that we've done these really bigger episodes on because these are really standout pieces. These are works of art. These are masterpieces. Master, like, this is a masterclass in game design. Like, the, oh gosh, the, the, what they're able to do with everything, with the tools that they have, how they portrayed it, just so, so cleverly done. And it's such a good balance between mechanics, game design, things like that. Actually, one of the things that we didn't even, like, really touch on was, you know, picking your class in the beginning. It doesn't really matter what class you want. Just go with the one that you like the most. You'll catch up as far as the level up system goes. They all have the same skill tree, so don't stress about that. But it is a really fun decision to make in the beginning. And the character designs are awesome. So, yeah. But anyway, like I said, this is a true masterpiece. And I think, you know, it definitely needs to be celebrated. And that is exactly what we're doing here. We are diving into this great work of art that's in front of us that needs to be remembered. And it is one of these games that... I think if we play it again in 10 years, it's going to be just as relatable. But it's going to be relatable for different reasons, right? You play again in another 20 years, well, guess what? You're going to find new things that you can relate to. It's always going to be relevant. Like, that's this style of game, this style of story. They did Cyberpunk right by focusing on the now, not on this big grandiose, we got to go fight, you know the evil corporation that's trying to take it no that's that doesn't live through the test of time stories like this do stories of humanity stories of you know being just present with other people with understanding how other people think and feel and wanting to you know just learn about the world around you like those those are the stories that live on and man, they did such a fantastic job. And I really want to just say thank you to the studio that made this because holy crap, well done. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening in. And if you're not sold on Citizen Sleeper yet, I don't know what we can do <laughs> to make you appreciate this more. Just check it out. 
And if you don't want to play it, go ahead and watch it. It's just one of those games that you need to experience. It's great. But with that, we'll talk to you guys next week with another amazing game. And bye for now.